HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska Seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, jumping in to tell you about this week's episode of Meat and Three, Heritage Radio Network's weekly food roundup. This week, we're introducing you to some amazing women taking a stand. So often, being sexually harassed feels like a loss of control, and so I wanted to have these very tangible guides to say, here's what you can do. Others are pushing for more diversity at major food industry events. I still feel really determined to do, you know, whatever I can to help shift that and in a direction that's not just more diverse, but more equitable. We also have a report on that summer business staple, the lemonade stand. The lemonade stand might be the purest form of starting a business. Low overhead, easy to get into, and requires little experience or special equipment. Don't miss Meat and Three, your weekly 15-minute food news roundup from HRN. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Search M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. And thanks, as always, for listening. Hello, this is Dana Cowan, and you are listening to Speaking Broadly on Heritage Radio Network. Each week, I speak to someone who I admire, who has managed through life's ups and downs, careers, twists and turns, and ended up at a place that I find completely intriguing. Today, my guest is someone who is... Uh, an extraordinary baker, something that um, I am definitively not because it requires both attention and precision, uh, two things that I don't have a lot of regard for, or I have a regard for them, but they they don't like me, mm-hmm. um, as well as a collector of vintage cookbooks. And she just has a brand new book called The Vintage Baker. So welcome, Jesse Sheehan. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm very... Well, listen, I'm really excited to have you here because um, I don't know if there's such a thing as a make good in podcasting, but that's actually what we have here today, folks, because Jesse was coming to be on my show two weeks ago, and she was done in by 
the BQE. And I got these texts. I'm going to be 10 minutes late. I'm like, there's no 10 minutes late on live <laughs> podcasting. I'm thinking I'm going to be riffing. Yeah. Maybe it's be the Dana show. I've never tried to do the Dana show. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's going to set me free. And instead, I was like, are you kidding me? Let me see if I can get a guest in 30 seconds. So... Um, I did. I got a guest in, in 30 seconds. Thank you. Shout out to Katie um, Mosman-Wadler. So actually, we could start with the thank you, the, the reparation gift, right? So I get home. I'm like, you know, I felt worse for Jesse than for me because she was the one stuck on the BQE and I was just in this fantastic studio. But the next day in a pastry box with a red and white, um, I guess, what is that called? Like pastry twine? Yeah. Uh, twine. So this wonderful box rides at my house. And inside are cookies. <laughs> and they're uh, potato chip crusted cookies. Do you find that the solution to everything is cookies? Um, I sort of do. But it could also be cake or it could be brownies. I think sweets are always a good um, I'm so sorry, I can't believe I did that to you kind of thing. <laughs> um, and do you ever feel like, wow, you know, maybe they don't like sweets. Maybe they, you know, what has the sugar movement affected you? I know, right? Well, I think I try to just block it out. If if the movement is affecting me, I'm not aware of it because I'm just plowing on through with my sugar and my gifting of it to oh. people. And when people tell me, I mean, I'm, I'm a generous person, but when people say like, oh, you know, that's so sweet that you want to send me something, but I, I don't really like sweets. I just am like, okay, I'm crossing your name off the list. Right. They're not your friends anymore. <laughs> no. Like, I can't relate to you. Exactly. We don't have anything in common exactly. anymore. Exactly. Right. And today you brought sweets. So what did you bring? So today I brought... Um, uh, chocolate walnut marshmallow fudge oh, with sea salt. Let's, let's, let's open that. Oh, that was not drop the mic. That was drop my phone. That was amazing. <laughs> from um, from my book. And um, uh, what I love, it's funny, I'm not actually a big fudge person, but one of the things I did when, when sort of compiling the recipes for my book was I tried to look for recipes that um, I found in Vintage booklet after vintage booklet, and fudge is definitely one of them. And why do you think fudge w- was so popular? I mean, I, I feel like when I go to those old-fashioned candy stores totally. on boardwalks, you know, there's the, the fudge that has been handmade and then totally. you know, cut. Like, what is it? What was it about the time? And Well, it's funny. The, the recipe that I um, have in my book, and, and you can pull the bow. I, I, didn't, I didn't double tie. I didn't double like, knot. Poor Dana is like struggling with my box, and I'm not even like a fancy, a fancy twine tire. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going okay, silently good, here. Good. Um, I think um, it can. I mean, some fudge recipes definitely call for a candy thermometer and can be a little on the complicated side. But a lot of the old recipes that I found, like this one are really super simple to make. Like this does not require a candy thermometer. And I feel like... Oh, my God. We have to stop now. Okay. This is amazing, people. And I know it's radio, so you can't see it, so I'm going to describe it to you. So imagine um, it's the size... One piece is the size of uh, a generous marshmallow. Uh, inside, there, it is as if it is um, a mosaic. It's a... a three-dimensional mosaic. So imagine, you know, you're in a a temple in Greece and you're looking at um, a mosaic floor. It's three-dimensional. And in those three dimensions, 
So instead of chips of glass, you have um, chips of marshmallow, you have chips of walnut, you have this beautiful, gigantic um, salt, and I haven't even taken a bite of this, and I'm drooling, and... Um, is there something else? Something I th- else? I think it's crunchy? just the, 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 what you're seeing on top. Those a little turbinado sugar as well yeah. as the salt. That's the sort the of salt. light brown. <gasps> um, yeah. But yes, one one thing I did want to mention is Dana is right. The pieces are large, and I'm. Again, it's like the people who don't like sweets aren't my friends. The people who like tiny desserts aren't really my friends. I am really into, like, big cookies and a large slice of cake. And if you're going to eat fudge, like, eat fudge. Okay, but hold on. That must make people so angry because you can say that and you are tiny. Right. Um, why are you tiny? Okay, I'm tiny. People always ask me that. But I guess I, that, I that, that comes they, with the job. I'm sure they ask you as they well. They ask me all the time. Yes. So I have yes. an answer. Oh, What's good. your answer? Okay, I want to hear yours after mine. Yeah. Okay, my answer is this. I, like really most of the time very disciplined yeah what I always say when I'm baking is that if something works I can have a tiny nibble of it and put it away if it does not work I I, I can't stop eating it so there are those moments but that is all sort of within the world of me being a very um kind of exercise kind of person like you look like an exercise yeah, person I mean what I, is your exercise of choice you know I li- I like I mean, just the way I like my sweets, like fast and dirty and easy. Dirty in quotes, guys, not really dirty. Um, I like to exercise like in my basement or like go for a run. I don't belong to a gym. I don't like spin. I don't – I've tried different things, but I just like – I like efficiency. Mm -hmm. So I like to wake up in the morning before I have to get my kids up, Mm -hmm. exercise, get it out of the way, done. If I wait – like I can't do it at the end. I'm I'm a morning person. Right. How about you? Um. I hate exercise, yeah. and um, I'm trying now to commit myself to it. So I'm trying to do uh, 20 minutes of yoga a day. Yeah. And I'm saying that out loud uh, right here so that you, anyone who <laughs> sees me can it. say, hey, how are you doing with that 20 minutes of exercise? Are you really still doing 20 minutes of exercise? And knowing someone might ask me that, maybe I will continue to do 20 minutes of uh, yoga a day. Um, but I want to go back to this notion of being disciplined. Yes. Um, and... Your discipline in eating the sweets, is that sort of your mantra in your life? Like, are you, do you live every part of your life in a disciplined way? I mean, way? it's so funny because I kind of wish I was kind of less disciplined and more spontaneous and like more like, like you know, an artist who just like kind of whatever, whatever whim one follows, one just follows it or whatever whim it comes your way, you follow it. But I'm the opposite. I mean, I, I it's so boring and like much to my husband's chagrin, who is a, more of a spontaneous person than me. Um, I like, I have like routines. I like to do the same thing. I like to eat the same things. I like to do the same things. I'm very much uh, uh, a, a person who likes things on the, like on the regular. Okay, so if you like things on the regular, when you're developing recipes for a, a cookbook, you're creating new things every day. Yeah. Right? So you're trying new things does that test your well, it's, resilience? It's or? so funny. The, that's a really good question. I would say that, again, when things go well, no. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so fun. I love yeah. my job. When something goes poorly, and I, I, this is probably true for all recipe developers, but I get very sad very fast. Like, yeah. I'm not able to say, like, oh, I screwed up the brownies. Okay, I'll try again. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I get It's kind emotional. Of, yes. Is that because you blame yourself like I'm such an idiot? Like, yes. how did I not? Yes. Because I should have known. Like, I've made something like this a million Total, times. Well, that's what, uh, you know, I you know, I have a little bit of this fraud complex thing, which, you know, 
I, I am slowly trying to whittle away at. But I think what happens to me in the moments when the brownies don't work or I screw up, you know, the caramel, like caramel. Caramel's really hard, though. It is, but I should be able to make it with my eyes closed. And when I was testing the recipe, because I have a salty, um, salt and pepper caramel in my book. And when I was developing that recipe, sometimes I would get it exactly right and sometimes I would completely ruin it. But what I was going to say is that I think when that happens, rather than be able to say, oh, Shit happens. Yeah, you can swear. Okay. It's okay. Shit happens. Instead, that's good because I kind of like swearing. I like big desserts and swearing, and I'm very rigid. <laughs> that's, that's me in a nutshell, guys. Okay, goodbye. No, only kidding. Um, <laughs> but what happens to me is I just immediately question myself. So I'm not able to kind of, I think, I like to think that I could get to the point where it'd be like, oh, I screwed up the caramel. Okay, that sucks because I don't want to make it again. But it's not like a come to Jesus moment, like I'm in the wrong field. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing else, uh, another how you, thing. How do you solve the problem? Because really, your job is as a creative person, you have to have the cool idea, like these ridiculous, I think it's funny you call them fudge, because they're really something else. <laughs> yes, it's true. Uh, there's so many things. Yeah. Um, I always think of, you know, fudge is just like a block of chocolate. Yeah. yeah. This isn't a block of chocolate. Um, but creativity, yeah. right? Because to come up with that, you need yeah. a lot of creativity. Yeah. But then the rest of it really is problem solving. And in, and in baking, there's so much problem solving. Yeah. It's funny. I have, um, this is like, I, f- I think I've lost count, but I think this is my third career. And I used to be a lawyer. And I feel like the kind of nerdy, you know, um, uh, uh, Pencil pushing. I'm I'm not coming up with the right um, um, adjective to describe me as an, a lawyer. But all of the skills that were necessary for being a lawyer and being very um, pr- things you were saying that you don't love, but being very <laughs> precise and being able to like really enjoying research and being able to to really delve into it. I so I'm not happy when the brownies don't work mm-hmm. out, but I'm very comfortable like jumping in front of my computer or jumping into my cookbooks and like trying to troubleshoot and you know writing out my what went wrong and sort of seeing what I did wrong. So where do you think the fraud complex comes from? Such a good question. Um, I think for me personally, I'm sure it's different for everybody. I think for me personally, it's just how I'm wired. Uh-huh. Like I was I was an actress before I was a lawyer. Like no matter what I've done, I have always felt like I didn't quite belong. I felt pretty good in law school, mm-hmm. I think, back to this idea that I actually really like school. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, like all these qualities are not like um, leading up to a very interesting <laughs> I love school. I follow direction. <laughs> but anyway, um, but I loved school. I sort of felt confident up to a degree. But um, but yeah, I just, I, I think, I mean, in some ways I think it can make you, as long as it's not debilitating, it can mm-hmm. make you a more interesting person. Mm-hmm let's say, because you have some humility about you and you approach the world and the people around you in a really different way than if you walk in like, I'm all that and then some versus like, ooh, okay, how, let me read the room. Like, what, do I belong here? I think it's interesting to think about the fact that your path has been a wiggly one. And, you know, I'm really interested in um, people's next steps, Mm -hmm. how how they figure out what to do next. And I wonder whether that sense of not belonging or the sense of, you know, not fitting in or being a, like, you know, air quotes, fraud, is how you ended up having multiple careers. Yeah. You, are, are those things linked or, like, how did you decide to become an actress? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think the being an actress just sort of came out of doing it, like, literally as a child and then, and then following that through. So that was, like, not a very... Um, I mean, unless you can be well 
unless you can have a well thought out decision when you're 10. <laughs> well, some people do. Um, I know. Right? An- yes. Angela Demiuga, um, from, who's now at the Standard, who was at Mission Chinese, knew at 10 years old that she wanted to be a chef. And I, um, she was on my podcast last week. You guys should listen in because listening to someone who knew what they're going to do at 10 years old is pretty dazzling. Well, it's incredible. And I was telling Dana earlier that I listened to that podcast actually um, today. Um, And I'm, yeah, I am so impressed by that because yes, I was pursuing this thing from age 10 on, but not with a lot of, is this really going to work for the, again, those qualities that I'm mentioning that kind of describe me are not great in a world of the theater, let's say, where not meritocracy isn't always recognized. So you can work so, 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 so hard and yet not um, get where you want to be. One thing I would say about food, which I don't know, I mean, probably people will disagree with me, but I I do think there is a meritocracy of sorts. I mean, yes, there is a lot of luck and there is a lot of who you know, and I've had both of those things in spades. So I won't, I, I would never say I haven't. But there's also, you do sort of feel like, wow. And then back to the fraud complex thing, I'm just sort of being able to see like, wow, I'm making things and people are actually liking them. That's so cool. I had no idea. Um, I think in the same way one becomes more confident when one does things over and over again, I think that you can really chip away at the fraud complex if you have just streams of people either in, you know, on social or in person saying, I made this. It was delicious. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and knowing that you're affecting I, their I mean, lives and their thank you presents for, you right. know, when they do things wrong. Right. right. <laughs> I have to say when I, when that happens to me, I'm still like stunned. I'll like scream out to my 14 year old, like, oh my God, so-and-so follower from, you know, Idaho made my candied popcorn. Like I still can't <laughs> like believe it. And I'm super excited and thankful and so how did you uh, switch from being an actress to a lawyer? Because the, that does seem like yeah, quite huge. a leap. Well, it didn't hurt that my dad was a law professor. So I sort of always, and there was always this thing in my family where like, you should be a lawyer. I don't come from a family of creatives, let's say. So it was very much like I could be a psychotherapist like my mother, <laughs> or I could be a lawyer like my dad. And of course, mm. I went in... I don't even know what direction being an actor is. Oh, my God, I think you actually have... Well, the actress, I don't know, but I do feel like the baking splits the difference. You need the precision of the lawyer, but you need to understand the heart and the emotion that your mother must understand. So you're, like, really the perfect (laughs) blend. Um, So I I just... uh, uh, Back to the meritocracy thing. I was so frustrated by being an actor and feeling like I wasn't getting where I wanted to be that I decided to go to law school. And I also joke that I was tired of getting on an airplane and, you know, you're sitting down next to someone and they're like, oh, what do you do? And you're like, um, I'm, an, I'm an actor. And they look back at you and go, oh, what restaurant? <laughs> and I just was like humiliated by it. And it was true. I, I could talk much more about my restaurant jobs um, than I could about my acting career. But long story short, I think I went to law school so that nobody, so that when I sat down next to someone on an airplane, I could say lawyer and that would just shut them up. That is a very interesting motivation for very hard work. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I won't lie. I didn't last very long. I went to law school, then I clerked for a judge for a year, and then I only practiced for two years. And I joke, I, I kind of went on maternity leave because I got pregnant with my first son, and then I never went back. So, of course, yeah, that's not such a joke, right? So, and then you're, um, you fell in love with baking and you interned at age 38. Yes. I was dazzled 
by that yeah. uh, because that does take a lot of humility and chutzpah, right? Yeah. Because you have to go in, offer yourself. Oh. You can be turned down and you know you're going to be working really hard for nothing. Dana, I love you because that's ex- I mean, I literally went in and I tell this story that I wrote a note like with a time, you know, because I, the owner of the bakery was there, Nato, who's now a good friend of mine. And I told him what I was interested in and he kind of gave me a sideways glance. He's like, okay, write a note to the head baker. She's not here right now. A woman named Christine. And I wrote my note and I had like a million exclamation points and I was so excited. And if there had been emojis and it was a text, it would have been emojis. I mean, I was so, and, and after I gave it to them, I was like, that is not cool. Like the weird mom comes in with like lots of exclamation points and too much enthusiasm. So I came back again. Oh, no. To try to just be chill. And and actually met Christine and said, like, apologies for the exclamation points. I'm, I promise I will not, like, momify your bakery. It, I, I am actually a, a, a not as... Um, <laughs> I mean, I am full of energy, but I, <laughs> I promise I won't screw anything up. And they... And I think maybe meeting me in the... Fle- when she met me in the flesh, she was like, okay, we'll give her a try. And how did you prove yourself? So, um, bagging granola... At first, that was my job. Um, and how did you feel it. about that? Is that <laughs> is that something that's actually hard to do? Like, is it possible there's a, um, a for trick somebody to that? like me? Believe it or not, that's hard because you're using. I don't even know what you call the machine, but you're using the machine that seals the bag. And I always worried I was going to melt it too. You know, you can if you oh, yes. can, that kind of stuff. So it sounds silly, but yes, I, I mean fraud complex here. I was worried that I was a fraud bagging granola because like maybe there was a skill set that I don't have <laughs> to do that. But what I do recall from bagging the granola. Um, was I would be in the decorators section, which in the end I ended up being much more in the in the main part of the kitchen making things. Um, but in the decorators section of the bakery, there are shelves and shelves of little tiny glass jars of sprinkles. And there was I did have that like aha moment, um, as you say, in my late thirties with like two little kids at home, where I was like sprinkles and jars. I'm home. Like it. Wow. It was a really weird. Like if I had somebody had told me that, I would have been like, really? But that is how it felt. Like, I really felt like this is where I want to be. This is the... It was funny that I decided to do this particular thing, going into baked and learning what they do, only because I actually didn't really know how to bake, nor did I bake. I loved buying sweets. I loved eating sweets. I love a cake box, like a cake mix box. So I was queen of all my cake mixes and my fake frostings, and I still love them to this day. But I wasn't really, it's not like I was at home, you know, you read those stories, either of people who like grew up at their mother's apron or grandmother's apron strings, and their first word was whisk, and they pulled the chair <laughs> over and started stirring. And it's, you know, that was, I was the opposite of that. It was like devil dogs, double stuffed Oreos, Pepperidge Farm, raspberry turnovers, and I loved them all, and that's what my mom bought us. And, um, but then, the, you know, it was the more the sweet tooth that carried me into baked as opposed to any sense that I think I could do this, eh? Or I think I'm going to love doing this because I, I really didn't know. That makes it very mysterious yeah. to me. Um, yeah. Why did you go? I really... I, I don't know if you remember these books, but back in the day, there, maybe they still exist. There were these books called What Color Is Your Parachute? Yes, and you were supposed right. to give them to your kid. Like, I think my mom probably gave me one when I was graduating from high school or, you know, and it was supposed to be, I forget what you call those tests. There's a name there's for a, the guy who And created, now there's a really bunch, there's tons of them. I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure. But, um, whole industry. But, uh, but I kind of gave, I mean, I didn't rebuy the book, but I kind of gave myself that test. I was kind of having like a, you know, 
a crisis is like, I mean, that's a, it's a 1% crisis, okay? But I was like, I, I had been an actor. I had been a lawyer. I had two little kids. I was, I love my children, and I wish on some level, I guess, that I could have been somebody who just wanted to stay with them, but I, 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 I needed to leave my, I think I knew I would be a better mom if I had some breaks from my boys. Um, and uh, it was sort of thinking about the, what color is my parachute and really coming up with, I really like to eat yummy treats and maybe I'm going to really like making them. Amazing. That seems um, very simple, but it really, yeah. really, really worked out. It did. Yeah. It did. Um, okay. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, um, we're going to talk about vintage cookbooks. We're going to talk about uh, a little bit more about baking and um, delicious treats. So stay with us. From your chalice just day and by my head Think about what it takes to swim a coastline longer than the entire eastern seaboard and leap tall waterfalls in a single bound. What does it take to survive 200 feet deep in icy salt water? What would you be made of? Wild Alaska seafood is made of tight muscle mass long-chain omega-3s, and incredible micronutrients. It matters where your food comes from. Experience the flavor of the fittest in every bite and enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. Ask for Alaska on the menu, grocery store, or smart device. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. Hello, it's Dana Cowan. Welcome back to Speaking Broadly. On this episode, I have Jesse Sheehan, who is a master baker. Uh, after spending a career being an actress, a lawyer, a mom, so she's on career number four. Uh, which I admire. For some reason, when I was in my 20s, I said, and I said it for the next decade, I'm going to have three careers. I don't know why I chose three careers. And then I did one career for 30 years. So now I'm on my second or yeah. third one, but in a really short succession. Yeah. I don't, that's not exactly what I had in my mind. Yeah. I think. <laughs> but um, And you probably didn't have in your mind that no. your fourth career would be no. um, as, a, as a baker. So you began working at, at Baked, um, which is a bake shop that I love. It's hmm. in Brooklyn and Manhattan. When I was at Food and Wine, we did a lot of stories yeah. with, we called them the Baked Boys. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, did you develop those recipes? Because I know that you developed recipes for them. Yeah, the lemon bunt cake. I remember being very excited to see that in Food and Wine. That is, <laughs> it's, there are so many people who work behind the scenes in the food world, yeah. and it's not because of... Um, Notto and no 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 right, Matt Matt it wasn't it's not them trying to keep you in the background it's just that happens and yes. I love sort of uncovering yes. these secret stories like yes. oh my gosh you yeah. made that lemon bun yeah. cake which was one of uh, one of my favorites again not that I actually ever made it right. but I would go in the test yeah. kitchen and be like oh my gosh these guys are sick like yeah. it's, they're, it's <laughs> so 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 good yeah um, 
do you enjoy recipe testing? Because you do that as well. As, yes. Uh, I, I kind of... Um, I kind of love it all. I won't lie. I, I like testing. I like. I love being given. I mean, with the lemon cake, that was me developing the recipe. Yeah. I definitely love that. But I like even testing where somebody's already made their. Because for Matt and Otto, I've also done a lot of testing. So they have a recipe. Um, one of my all-time faves that I tested for them, and that I keep using the flavor profile in different ways if I get the opportunity. They have a rum black pepper. I think it's a Bundt cake, and I they have four books now. I forget which book it was in. But I tested that recipe for them, and I kind of – testing seems almost – it's not easy at all, but it's easy. It's, diff, it's, it's using different skills because you don't have to necessarily be creative. They're not necessarily – if it doesn't work, they're not – I mean, of course, I would offer something if I thought it could be made better. But they're, that's not what they're asking. They want to see if what they've done works. works. Right. And so I actually really enjoy testing people's recipes. I like um, I like when somebody says, can you develop this from scratch? Like, just come up with an idea. But mm-hmm. I also love it when somebody says, so we need something with peanut butter and chocolate. Or we need something that seems hostessy. So I it, it sort of... Um, I find it to be sort of a nice break, as it were, just maybe just using a different part of my brain when somebody gives me half of the equation and I just right. got to fill in the rest as opposed to the whole thing. I think there are a, a lot of people who love food. Unlike mm-hmm. you, you're like, well, you know, my Myers-Briggs test told me that maybe I should <laughs> try to be an intern at 38 and Baked. But... Um, there are a lot of people who would be interested in recipe testing. I've had a lot of people come yeah. to me saying, like, how do I break in? Or yeah. they um, they want to develop recipes. I think often their first thoughts to developing because they have yeah. something in their head that they want to yeah. put in the world. Do you have advice for them? Like, how how does one do so that? So I think it's I think it's tricky. And I would even say now I still am hustling for my development and testing work. It's not like. Every day I open my inbox, I'm like, wow, 12 different periodicals want me to write for them? (laughs) This is amazing. So um, periodical, that makes me sound like an old lady, but whatever. Um, uh, An educated one. Yes, there you go. Um, So I wouldn't say – I would say that it's it's a hustle and it's not easy, but um, I mean this is like sort of what everybody says. For me personally – as well as everyone else, it has been super helpful to have a blog mm-hmm. because it's great. It's unbelievable practice. Mm-hmm. And I think in all the years I've been doing it, and I'm not one of those people who's been doing it since like 2009. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't remember when I started, but it was maybe five years ago, mm-hmm. um, maybe a little more. But um, I now look back and I'm like, oh, I, I kind of know how to write. Oh, I came up with that idea. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't, A, I don't totally remember. Um, but B, it's also, it was, it's a good it really hones your those skills so that when you're given the opportunity to develop something, you're kind of your head is already in the space of like what flavors would be cool in this and like how can I add texture to that? And I do a ton, back to the whole lawyery thing, um, I do a ton of research. So whether it's in my cookbooks or on the I, – I hate to say it. I do tend to go to the internet more than I wish – I did, mm-hmm. even though my books are like right behind me in my office. But I do, I try to do both. But it's so easy on the internet to just plug it in. But anyway, um, you know, to see, to get my ideas, to be like, has anybody done something with rum and black pepper besides Matt and Otto? What if I did it here? So I, I think you can use, you can hone your skills yourself developing recipes just for yourself and your blog. Because I do not, I'm not one of those people with an insane following. So I feel like, oh God, what do my, what do my people want? <laughs> I do it for myself. And if people come and want it, 
I'm I'm thrilled. And have you built a following? Like, has that been something for for the blog that you've done? Yes, but I would not. I would say I have focused more on which I think everyone right now is on Instagram. Uh-huh. And Twitter and and Facebook a little bit. Um, I was late to the social media game, like as a human being. Mm-hmm. Like I was not a Facebook, Instagram for personal use, Twitter for personal use kind of person. Mm-hmm. But when I wrote a book called Icebox Cakes, which came out in 2015, yeah. um, also with Chronicle Books. And when that book came out, people said to me like, "Hello, social media." <laughs> I was like, "What?" I mean, I remember I sent a Facebook with like with no photograph, and people wrote to me like, um, "Honey, you like you gotta like have a face." <laughs> So I was like a little, I, I, the profile picture, I was like, right. I was a little, what? But anyway, I feel like that has helped me build a following. And I think through Instagram, people come to my website um, more so than people, you know, all those, what are they, SEO? There's all this stuff you can do to make and sure. And you just haven't done it. No. No, it's not. Yeah. You don't need to live there. Let's, yeah. Okay, let's talk about um, the vintage cookbooks. Yes. Do you love vintage everything? No. No. Um, and I feel I don't want to offend anyone who does, but I am very much not a vintagey kind of gal in either the way I dress or the way I decorate my home or the things I think are cool and interesting. Um, but that's great if someone else is. Um, but I, I, and I again, kind of like walking into Baked and being like, hey, teach me. Um, I don't know why the covers of these booklets, which is what I collect, is not, oh. um, yeah, it's a... Um, a matter of semantics. But what I collect is not actual like big hardcover vintage books, but I collect these vintage recipe booklets or pamphlets that were distributed from like the 1890s to the 1950s with like uh, the purchase of a bag of flour or a box of sugar or an appliance, like your first refrigerator. And um, (laughs) I have a beautiful old Frigidaire like it actually is hardcover, but it looks like a tiny little booklet and it's so beautiful. But anyway, funnily enough, because um, for those who know me, it's not like I'm a super like design person. The, the covers of these booklets really speak to me and spoke to me. And about 10 years ago, when I first started working at Baked, um, a little more than that, um, I was like in a like passed by a junk shop with one of my kids when he was in the stroller and I like saw these like you know baskets of booklets on the ground on the floor of the shop and like kind of scooted in grabbed a bunch of them purchased them and was just like in heaven because the booklets have these covers with like this enormous back to enormous desserts enormous <laughs> cake with like billowy frosting like on a plate with like layers or cookies or um cinnamon buns or biscuits mm. it's all mm. the it was funny it was it's like kind of the perfect storm as it were it was all the things I was learning to make it baked and then I was and which is like an old school kind of Americana bakery in a way I mean they do a lot of stuff that's not that but that's sort of sort of definitely how they began and then I was seeing the booklets which were like oh these are like these original recipes for all the stuff that I'm learning to make now and that was kind of super exciting and I um again, like I, it wasn't like a decade ago, I was like, this would be an amazing cookbook at all. I just took them home, started kind of collecting them, not, you know, I wasn't like voraciously consuming booklets, but, um, although I do so now more so, um, but I loved them and I loved the way they looked and I loved baking from them. And as I like to say, they are like the perfect blank canvas 
for a recipe developer because all the bones are there, like biscuits, like here's your leavening, here's your flour, here's your butter, you're done. Um, but then you, you know, so you, and, and they're well tested, so you know that Are they well tested? That's always what I wonder, because yeah. I, I collected, I mean, past tense, but during, you know, the food and wine years, I collected all kinds of cookbooks. Yeah. And I would read them sort yeah. of as um, history books. Yep. But I rarely wanted to cook for them yeah. because the methods are convoluted. Yeah. There, or there was the expectation that I actually knew how to make something. That's, yeah. um, and so there was no method. Yeah. Or the ingredients, um, you know, it would have margarine just because it was the era of. Right. And so um, I think it's interesting that within these booklets, you, you found... Um, enough information yes. to sort of inspire you, and, the, and obviously not enough so much information that it crippled you, no. right? Because it's like just enough. That's sort of the perfect way of describing it. Exactly, it's like you you got the idea to to to, for instance, as I mentioned earlier with fudge. I might not have put fudge in my cookbook, but I saw so many fudge recipes and so many booklets that I wanted to. And then it was fun to play with. Well, like you can make this if you don't if you put in sweetened condensed milk. You don't mm-hmm. have to use a candy thermometer. I'm mm-hmm. the recipes in my book tend to be um, not easy but simple. Like I'm not I'm not asking for a lot of complicated ingredients or a lot of complicated um, appliances, which is kind of how I like to cook and bake. Even though I love seeing a recipe with a million ingredients like an Adelangi recipe I love that and I love eating that and I really want to go to someone's house and have them make me that yeah totally I never want to make that myself right? I, I definitely choose my recipes by length of list me too um, or if I can see a shortcut within it you yes. know if it, there's like nine ingredients I'm like oh they just made pesto yeah. fine I can just you know yes add a pre-made pesto and uh, and then call it a day and then continue to make this lasagna. Yeah. That seems very easy yeah. aside from that. Yeah, totally. So I love that. And I guess just what you said, I see those recipes in these booklets and I just get inspired. Like, for instance, like, you know, I love, who doesn't, but like a yeasted, um, um, like morning roll or cinnamon bun. Um, what I loved about the recipes I saw in my booklets was not that they were doing anything outrageous, but it was that they called them, um, um, curls. And I just love, I love the names or fig Newtons. I'm not actually even a fig Newton person, although I've kind of been converted, but they called them fig pin cushions. Oh, and so I beautiful. just love the name. There's a cloud. There's some silver clouds and yes. This I have a cake called the silver cake, and it has pink frosting. So I say with pink frosting, but white cakes that didn't call that were you know didn't call for yolks were called silver cakes or pennywise cakes or full moon cakes. And again, I, maybe I wouldn't have put a white cake in my book because I tend to be a little bit more of a chocolate girl. Although when you write, you do have to try to accommodate more than just yourself. <laughs> um, but I might not have gotten so excited about this particular white cake, but I did because I love, just love the name. Or sand tarts are like little almond cookies that look like a sand dollar because you place the almonds on the top of them in the shape of a sand dollar. Reading those, um, reading the names in your book, it just, it made me want to make art from them, you yeah. know, because the, they're so beautiful and yeah. I feel like they just belong on posters, just as the words and color and, yeah. you know, something, um, something like that. So you've had this wiggly path that's led you to something that you really love and yes. to this book, which everybody um, should buy because you will love that too. <laughs> um, I know that, you know, it, it doesn't actually sound like the easiest thing, right? Because to keep self-correcting. Yeah. Um, and then, as you say, like, you are at, at the pinnacle 
and you're still hustling. Yeah. Uh, what do you feel like the the qualities are that um, you know contribute to the success that you've had and sort of never stopping? I think um, the never stop. I mean, I'm dogged, so mm-hmm. I will I will keep. You know, if I see something that I think I want, for instance, someone I'd like to meet or someone I'd like to write for, um, at least, you know, I try in a very polite (laughs) but, you know, um, uh, eager-ish way to let it be known that I want that and to try to figure out who I know that might know that person that could help me or whether I just, um, you know, shoot someone an email that I don't know or find out if I could be introduced to someone. So I feel like I'm I'm good at um, putting myself out there that maybe that brings me back to the actress in me. I don't know. I have like a facility with just, um, I'm inside, of course, like terrified, scared, like sweaty armpit uh, style. But on the outside, I'm good at, at sort of, I think, pushing, putting forth a bit more confidence. And um, I like meeting people and hanging out. And I can, I can be good at the, I think, at the sort of schmoozy aspect of all this, which I won't lie and is a bit depressing, but is, but plays a part in sort of helping build your, you know, following, helping getting to know the people that you need to know living in New York City and in the industry. And, um, of course, the people I'm really drawn to are people that are more like me with, like, some humility and self-deprecating and funny and la 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 la. But, um, but they're all different kinds of people, and I feel like I'm open to all of them. But I, I again, I'm a, like, I'm a hard worker, and I, I, it's hard for me to stop, which can be both good and bad. Um, and what does that, like, what does that mean to you? Just- meaning, like, at night, I tend to go back to my computer, mm-hmm. and I kind of wish I didn't. Mm-hmm. I try not to. I have a 14-year-old and a 13-year-old, and that sounds more dramatic than it is, because my 14-year-old is about to be 15. Um, but, uh, but if they're busy and they're doing their homework, I'm not going to – I'm happy to go and do my, quote, home, air quote, homework um, <laughs> as well. I just have – I have trouble turning it off. Yeah. And I do feel like it's kind of funny that I ended up being – which is really what I am, a freelancer – Again, because why I left, part of the reason I didn't want to be an actor was because I wanted a nine to five job. I really did. You thought you did. Yeah. And, and then it I did out maybe it. you didn't. Yeah. yeah. And so I find it funny. I was saying this to my husband the other night. Like, why am I like right back at it? Because the book came out on May 15th, so it's still brand new. But, and I'm so thrilled with the response and excited about it. But I'm the kind of person who's already wondering and worrying about the next thing, which I hate about myself like I wish I mean it's so like yogi and I'm not a yogi but I really want to live in the moment I really want to enjoy what's happening right now and I know that's what I would (laughs) tell anyone else who is in my position but it's hard I can't I can't quite stop so I bet there's a way to do that do you meditate? No, but my husband just started. To, he did years ago, and he just started doing it again. And he's like, "This is incredible. You have to." You're going to have me. to do that. Like yeah. after this, you know, podcast, you're going to go home, and you're just going to you can put the same amount of energy into yeah. um, meditation. Do you meditate? I um I do a little. Yeah, it's part of my um trying to put some structure into my life. Yeah, and um I really really enjoy it like I was surprised because I also have that don't stop gene yeah I'm not to your extreme actually but yeah um but I find it uh kind of helpful yeah and it seems like it'll be awesome for you to try yeah um another thing that we have in common and I don't know if it's this is a a good a good or a bad way to end a podcast but Jesse and I um 
have a, a mutual friend. So we have all these funny little touch points because I had uh, tried her baking, not even knowing it because she was working uh, at Baked Bakery uh, when at Food & Wine we were working with the team there and publishing the recipes. And we have a, a friend in common and I had what I call my year of breast cancer and you came to me as, um, as a resource. Do you feel like um, there the qualities that you bring to the the baking, which is like the precision and the don't stop and the researching is how you approached that challenge in your life? Totally. I don't know if you feel that way, but I felt like I would joke that cancer was like a fucking full-time job. <laughs> I mean, you would literally, when you're first diagnosed and you're like trying to find your doctor, you, this is so like sad, but I can laugh about it. I think Dana can do. You're literally walking around with like your, I don't even know what it is, the, the slides or the, the, the zero, the, the, um, x-rays from doctor to doctor. Like, will you guys look at this and tell me what I should do? Will you guys look at this and tell me what I should do? Um, but anyway, so that felt like a full-time job, and and I did it doggedly, like crossed every single T and dotted every I and wanted to see every anybody that called me and said, I know a great oncologist or I know a great <laughs> breast cancer doctor. I'd be like, oh, my God, give me their name. I'm going to go visit them. Yeah, did you do that? Yeah. Was that harder? Like, I awful. definitely... Awful. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. Did no, I was going to say, I didn't do that. Yeah. I had a very limited approach. I'm like, I want to talk to the person I trust the most. They're going to give me a recommendation. I'm going to talk to, like, four people. Yeah. I got a couple of recommendations. I picked... I talked to two people. I'm like, I picked one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. I just... I didn't... Because I don't have the research gene. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I really... To have that gene in space, yeah. and it—I—I um, I, I couldn't tell you it served me well or it didn't because mm-hmm. I think that there are, and I know this to be true, and I try to remind myself this: there are so many, like in any field, there are so many excellent doctors out there, mm-hmm. and so many excellent people that can give you the treatment and the help that you need. And I'm sure any one of the ones I met with, including I, I had called Dana and we chatted because. She had been through this, I think, about a year or so before me, and so had people to recommend. You know, I'm sure they would have been great, but it was like, you know, the the yeah that that need to that need to make sure I had literally you know covered every possible avenue was was um, running deep within me during that time. And but at the end of the day, you felt like I mean, you ended up making a good decision. Here you are, but. Um did having done all that research just make you feel better going through the process I, that I think came so. after? I think so. One thing I will say, this is a little TMI, but I ended up going with incredibly aggressive treatment. So I had kind of an insane chemo. And there were definitely doctors I met who said, you don't need to do that. You're crazy. Please don't do that to yourself. But once somebody told me that there was the hardest way you could do it, you picked the hardest. I had to do it because I felt I um, I don't I think that's probably on some way that I could figure out that that's a good quality of mine. But I wanted to do the thing that I felt like was maybe going to ensure the best outcome, despite the fact that I had a lot of really smart people saying you don't have to do that. Yeah. So that I don't know what part of me that is, but that was that was that part was was um, very active during that period. I mean, I identify with that. I did the extreme. I have a, um, a BRCA2 gene, mm-hmm. so it seemed reasonable to go to the extreme. And I just did not want, in five years, ten years, to have a relapse and say, like, if, if I'd only. Totally. And I was just sort of preventing that. Like, if I 
only. That I couldn't live totally. with. I could live with something coming back if I had done everything I could. Like I, there was no other option. I, I totally just, hear you. Yeah. I did the same thing with surgery. I went... Extreme. Extreme. Because yes. I just wanted to... Again, cross those T's and dot those I's. Okay, we're going to end on a super positive. <laughs> no, that's positive because we're both like here and happy. Yes. Um, and we have fudge in front of us. A woman in uh, the food industry who you admire and why? Okay. Um, I actually thought about this. Great. So I have two. Can I do two? Sure. I'll do them fast. Deb Perlman, who I absolutely um, adore. I have worked with her. We've become friends. She's just, in my estimation, a mad genius. I love the way she writes. I love the way she develops recipes. She was so kind and put a recipe of mine for my book on her site, which I was so grateful to her for. And Zoe Canan, who is the head baker at Simon and the Whale. And in I think, Seattle? No, here. I, oh, yeah. oh, Simon and the Whale. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard the whale. Yeah, that's no, okay. Um, at the Freehand Hotel in right, New York City. Right. And she's she is... Young, 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 and amazing, amazing, amazing. What makes her so amazing? Sure, her, she's a baker, and her sourdough croissant, and her, I think she has an almond, maybe almond cake. I, I mean, the list goes on and on. She makes incredible challah. She just is a master when it comes to, to yeast and sourdough starters. And there you've had it. That's this episode of Speaking Broadly. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll go buy the Vintage Baker. Check out Jesse Sheehan. Um, What's your social handle? Jesse Sheehan Bakes. There you go. And you know where to find me, uh, at FW Scout on Twitter and Instagram. Love hearing from you. And we'll be back next week with another great show. Thank you to uh, Carlin. Oh, my daughter just arrived because we're going to go head on a plane out of town. Hey, Sylvie. And thank you, David Tadashore, engineer with the mostest. And have a great week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.